MSP Marketing in Bite-Sized Bits. It's easier than you think with MKLink. To get more of MKLink's MSP, MBA, Marketing and IT training resources, make sure that you've registered for your account for free now at www.mklink.org. MSP Copywriting, Part 6. As a quick recap, we've already taken a brief look at attention and interest in terms of the ADA model. And in this section, and in the next couple of sections, we'll look at a few ideas you can bring to bring more interest and crucially more desire to your sales copy. And when I say that, please note that we're trying to establish what people desire, which is certainly not the same as what they need. And that sounds like a small point, but it's actually absolutely crucial to get that bit right. People don't need flash cars or huge TV sets or Rolex watches, but nevertheless, they do buy them. People don't need scratch cards or cigarettes or chocolates, but they will buy them. And studies have shown that they'll even forego the things that they do need to pay for them, such as food and even rent. And it's fascinating when you think about it that people will pay a premium for things which they don't need and which aren't even scarce or even intrinsically valuable either. So why do people do this? It's because they want them. Sell what people need instead of what they want and you'll always be making your sales a lot harder for yourself and probably limiting your income as well. So it's such an important distinction between need and want. Your prospects may need to have encrypted backups, but it's certainly not what they want. What they want is probably peace of mind or a feeling of security or to not look foolish in front of their peers. That's what they want, but what they need is the backup. Two different things. As a quick aside, I wanted to mention the higher the ticket item, the longer the copy. Now, this is self-explanatory, really. Expensive, when I say expensive, typically considered purchases, require that the prospect must have access to more information to make their decision, and consequently, you've got to tell it to sell it more. Now, clearly, it takes a prospect longer to gather information and ultimately make a decision about something trivial, such as whether they want to buy one ream of copier paper or three reams of copier paper for their photocopier than it would do for them to decide whether to enter into a three-year contract for managed services for themselves and all their staff. So, obviously, the more information they need, the longer the sales copy is going to be. And consequently, when it comes to sales copy, long copy that is properly written, and crucially it needs to be properly written, will almost always outpull short copy, even if it's equally well written. Now, I'm fully aware this means a lot more work, and it also means that it's more more challenging to write long copy that's actually engaging. Remember, copy can never be too long as long as it's interesting and relevant, but it can always be too long if it's boring. I've tested it myself for a client selling household products on Amazon years ago, and I wrote long copy full of great facts and persuasive components to the copy and various different calls to actions, and you can measure your conversion rate. And you can chop off the end of it and make the copy a bit shorter, and usually you'd see the conversion conversion rate drop and if it doesn't drop then the bit you removed was probably irrelevant anyway to the reader now let's quickly look at beliefs tapping into existing beliefs and i say that because trying to get people to change their beliefs is an uphill struggle and if you talk politics or religion to anyone for more than five minutes you'll know exactly what i mean it's far easier to tap into their existing beliefs and then write copy that will sit well with the prospect's existing beliefs 
So how do you do that? The answer is to make statements and ask questions early on in the copy that makes people identify their beliefs and then you can tag your copy onto it. So obviously if you're talking to people in person, this is far easier. Although with AI and chatbots these days, the lines are definitely blurring here. So for example, if you're selling an expensive product such as, let's say, a high-end laptop, you can ask the question early on in the process, don't you think that quality is worth an extra investment? Or would you agree that you get what you pay for in life? and you need to this early on well before any prices are even mentioned. In another example, let's say you're selling something like an antivirus solution that scans inbound emails and hyperlinks and things like that and the solution that you're selling is renowned for being really good. However, your prospect believes that they're a really knowledgeable and careful user and they'd never get caught out. And as an aside, much like driving, many people overestimate their abilities by the way. So to counter this, you could ask a question such as, Is it likely that everyone else in your team at work and at home are always as careful and concerned about your clients and your data as you are? Now, that's one example, but you get the idea. Namely, that you're using their own beliefs to confirm what you're saying in the copy. And interestingly, after you've tapped into a belief, people will defend your ideas because they will be defending their beliefs. More about that another time, although that leads us neatly onto the topic of consistency. Establishing consistency and commitment. So early on, you will ideally get your prospect to take a stand of some sort, and then you position your offer next to it. So you could say something along the lines of, we found that most sensible CEOs invest in cyber insurance. Now, of course, we'd all like to think that we're sensible, wouldn't we? Here, your prospect has taken a stand by declaring that they're sensible, even if they've just done it to themselves silently. So as an example, data backup solutions are sensible, and you can position them as such. And once positioned, you can then go on further to attach emotions and draw scenarios and also use stories because stories work really, really well. More about those later. Crucially, it's important to ensure that your readers agree with you quickly and want what you offer early on so that they keep this belief in their mind, ideally despite any problems that might get in the way. Once they have that belief, anything that gets in the way of a previously held belief causes cognitive dissonance and like a kind of tension, people will try and reduce that state of tension, hopefully in your favour, by buying your product or your offer. Now here's a quick word about getting prospects to say yes and you may have already heard of yes sets before. This is where you ask your prospect a simple question early on that they'll almost certainly say yes to or agree with and if you can do this several times this can precondition them to be more likely to agree with you and say yes to other things that you suggest later on including your offer. Now this is very powerful and you can see people doing it politicians and salespeople and hypnotists are using it to gain compliance in their subjects. For example, in an in-person setting, if you have their contact details, you can simply repeat someone's phone number back to them and say, is that correct? Just to get a yes. And you can do simple things like that to get people to say yes. Arguably, however, it's a little bit obvious and it's certainly not a new technique. So you might consider being a little bit more subtle by making them say yes internally. And you could do that via a statement somewhere in your copy, such as it's a daunting task for business owners trying to make sure they don't get hacked or scammed these days, isn't it? Now, in this example, the reader's reaction is an internal agreement and it's still a yes and it still helps you gain affirmative momentum because that's what you're trying to build. 
And on this subject, there's another concept of getting compliance from people to increase sales. And studies have shown that if someone says yes to a small thing, they are much more likely to say yes to a big thing further on down the line. And apparently this is because psychologically, once someone has agreed to a small favour or a small commitment, they're more inclined to continue to act in a consistent manner with their prior behaviour. And apparently this is due to self-perception theory and the desire for consistency, where people seek to align their external actions and decisions with their internal attitudes, beliefs and values. Now all of this is covered in Robert Cialdini's work and his excellent book is called Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, which I thoroughly recommend all business owners to get a copy of. So in a sales letter scenario, this might be enacted a bit more subtly than asking to use someone's lawnmower, for example, but it could still include asking people to click on a tick box or press a button or some other interactive component on a web page. And then when it comes to the main call to action, such as entering contact details or scanning a QR code or so forth, they should hopefully then become more primed to comply with your request or take you up on your offer. However, we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here and we'll look at the course to action in another session. But before that, we need to look at lots more ways to build interest and desire to take the action. And we'll continue in this theme next time. MSP Marketing in Bite Size Bits. It's easier than you think with MK Link. To get more of MK Link's MSP, MBA, Marketing and IT training resources, make sure that you've registered for your account for free now at www.mklink.org.